Welcome to the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast from the Institute of Transportation Engineers. Each month, we'll bring you conversations with thought leaders in transportation on the future of the industry. Joining us on the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast, my name is Bernie Wagenblast, and our guest on this episode is Veronica Davis. Veronica is the co-owner, managing partner, and principal planning manager for Inspire Green, a planning firm focused on multimodal, environment, and the community. Now, if you were at the ITE annual meeting in Minneapolis this summer, you may have attended her session, Equity 101, and transportation equity is what we're going to be talking about today. Veronica, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Why don't we start off with a little bit of background about you. Tell me a bit about yourself. I understand both your mom and your dad worked in the transportation field. Was that how your interest in the industry first developed? I think I was actually born into the industry. Um, My mom, funny story, my mom went into labor uh, outside of the USDOT headquarters because at the time my dad worked for (laughs) UMPTA Urban Mass Transit, which is now the Federal Transit Administration. So uh, my mom went in a labor outside of USDOT, so I think it was fate. Um, but with, you know, when you have two parents in the transportation industry and you're off from school, you invariably end up at one of their two job sites. So it was just a constant exposure to transportation. In addition, one of my um, first toys that my dad gave me was a Lionel train set. And so I would set up my Lionel train and then build my communities around my train, um, like I had the little people in G.I. Joe. So I think it was just one of those things that was bound to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now that we get a little bit of an understanding of how you first came to be involved with transportation, as I mentioned in the opening, our topic really is focused on transportation equity. Can you tell me a little bit about what it is, please? Well, for transportation equity, it's going to be different for each community. But it really is about making sure our transportation system is serving all members of the population. For me, my personal ethic is it really is about having safe, affordable, reliable transportation for all people so that they can do the things that they need to do in their life, whether it's go to work, visit friends, go to the grocery store, you know, have access to health care. To me, it's really about um, everything that holds you know, the the town, the city, the rural area together. And people should be able to move how they need to move. Now, I imagine transportation equity isn't necessarily a big issue for affluent and middle-class areas, but perhaps for underserved communities, it becomes more of an issue. What are some of the issues when it comes to underserved communities and neighborhoods? When it comes to transportation, you know, one of the things that tends to happen is there's usually a disinvestment into areas with um, people who are low income, uh, communities of color, and there's, you know, a a variety of history around that. Um, You know, as an example, you know, there are, um, you know, people who, you know, for them to get to work, you know, it takes an hour because the buses aren't reliable or the buses are always crowded, you know, in cases of you know, safety, you know, vision zero, zero traffic related deaths is, you know, the new, the new shiny thing within the transportation industry. And quite frankly, the communities that are more likely 
to be impacted by serious injury and fatality are communities of color, largely because, you know, there's either one, no sidewalk or safe infrastructure for walking. Um, cars are usually driving at higher speeds. And then particularly in suburban areas, you have these mega blocks. And so people do this block crossing. And so that really is the issue. It's making sure that there is that type of an investment, an investment that serves that community. Because I think sometimes we can look at a community and come up with what we think they need as professionals, but it really is about sitting with that community and talking with them to understand how the transportation infrastructure can serve their needs. When you talk about reaching out to these communities, what have you found to be some of the most effective ways to do that? And when you do do that, are you finding that the representatives of those communities are coming back to you with what they need? Or is there more of a give and take in terms of the transportation professionals saying, here's what's available, here's what we think? Or tell me a little bit about the process, if you would, please. We've worked on different projects um, in terms of reaching out to neighborhoods. One type of a project is called a livability study where we look at safety, mobility, and green infrastructure at the same time. It is very much community-focused and community-driven. However, um, it usually uh, includes traditional engagement, such as a large public meeting, which then people self-select for attending those meetings. It's usually people who have time, such as retirees or community leaders. And so sometimes you can have a, a skewed view of, of what the community wants. What we have found to be really most effective is go to where people are. So instead of forcing people to come to a meeting on a weeknight when they have kids that need to have, you know, be fed and put to bed and have homework or people are working multiple jobs or people that just have other priorities, you know, it really is about meeting them where they are. And we've found um, street meetings to be extremely effective. Sometimes people call them street meetings or pop-up meetings, and that means showing up where people already are. Um, and that could be at a metro station, at a bus stop, in front of the grocery store, um, and the line at the DMV, the Department of Motor Vehicles in your respective area. But going where people are and having a table and being able to interact, and you get really great conversations with people who are generally not engaged in the process and, and aren't going to come to a traditional public meeting. When you have these street meetings or pop-up meetings, do you find that folks are a bit surprised that somebody's asking them for their opinion on on transportation? We don't find that people are surprised as much as they're really excited to talk about what their issue is. Um, You know, we've done them all across, you know, on different projects, and I think people generally want to talk, and it's their opportunity to get off their chest whatever they want to say. And so I, I can't say it's much of a surprise as much as you really have really great in-depth conversations with people. When you're having these conversations, um, what are some of the the issues that you seem to hear again and again? What are some of the, the topics that come up? A topic that tends to come up is people are really concerned about people driving fast through their neighborhood. That is a consistent issue anywhere we've been in the city when we worked on the Vision Zero plan for the District of Columbia and then also Alexandria, we talked to all types of people and all types of communities. And a consistent, you know, issue is people driving too fast. And that is a concern. 
and people really want their streets to be safe. They want to be able to walk without fear of being hit. And that is something that has been across, you know, all demographics, you know, income, age, race, gender, is that people are really concerned about people driving too fast. Do you find that in different parts of the country, different issues tend to arise more than they do in other sections of the nation? The thing that's interesting is that anytime you go into a new community, everyone feels like their issues or of that community are unique. But I can say in general, it's despite the difference in population and land use, education and industry, once you move all of that thing, uh, that away, at the end of the day, people really do want communities that are safe, that they are able to get to where they need to be safely. Um, and also parking is another <laughs> is another issue that is always consistent. People never feel like there's enough parking, and that has been from the smallest of towns that we've worked in to larger major metropolitan areas. And if you remotely try to touch an inch of parking, it's it becomes a very passionate issue. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you, you, you talk about those issues, whether it's lowering speeds or touching parking, things of that sort, are you finding that in many cases that the, the, the people who can make a difference are able to actually affect change based on that kind of feedback that they're getting from the community? I think for decision makers, it really becomes a mixed bag. Um, I really feel for a lot of transportation agencies, um, and then as a result, whether it's their consultants or their partners or what have you, because largely they're in this between a rock and a hard place where transportation agencies and professionals are charged with, you know, mobility and safety and all of these other things. However, sometimes they may not have the political support needed to move a project forward. Um, you know, as an example, you know, we have parts of the District of Columbia that don't have sidewalks. Um, and so even this, despite the fact that we have a law that the sidewalk needs to be on one side of the street, it is extremely challenging to get sidewalks in. And I think that sometimes, you know, for a variety of different reasons, you know, politicians, uh, elected leaders and influencers just may have other things that are more important to them, that this is not the battle that they choose to have. And so I think across across the country, really, I think a lot of transportation agencies are really in this, this tough spot of you're trying to advance. And, and, and quite frankly, you know, as we look for things like Vision Zero and autonomous vehicles and all the changes that are happening in the transportation industry, you know, with dockless bike share and scooters and everything that's really happening within the right-of-way, you know, it becomes, you know, change is hard, and transportation industries really are having the biggest change uh, to communities, and I, and I think that it, it becomes a challenge. I think that they want to do the right thing. It is just a, it, it's just a challenge of where we are, and at some point, you know, it's really going to take leaders, um, you know, whether it's mayors or governors or, you know, people within the federal government to really begin to change that conversation and set the vision for for how we move forward uh, with our transportation uh, system. Now, we have a lot of transportation professionals who are listening to this podcast, both from the public sector and the private sector. When they look at transportation equity, what are some of the key analysis, policies, procedures that communities should consider in addressing transportation equity? 
for the transportation professionals, you know, there is the baseline. You know, there's environmental justice uh, guidance and policies. There's Title VI guidance and policies, which, you know, Federal Highway and Federal Transit have very extensive, um, you know, guidance around that. But to me, transportation equity means going beyond that. And, you know, one, it means as a transportation professional, learning how to talk to communities. You know, I think it's very easy um, to have a marketing firm or a community outreach firm um, being the ones interacting with the community. And sometimes there can be a disconnect. Because then what happens is then you have the community engagement process, which really isn't feeding and informing the technical process. And so I think that we need to do more with communities and being able to communicate with communities. I, I serve on an advisory council uh, for Cornell University where I received my master's, and that's one of the things that we're talking about within the curriculum. It's empowering, you know, engineers to be able to learn how to talk and to communicate with the public and to design with the public. Um, and there's so many tools available, whether it's crowdsource mapping or having walking and biking audits to engage the community to really understand what the issues are and getting beyond just the couple observations that we do during the peak hour um, or maybe on the weekend, but really, you know, going out with communities and even going at night. Because I think sometimes we can get so focused on the rush hour that we forget that the communities are, are moving all times of the day. So whether it's night meetings, but walking with the community to really be able to experience it from that person's point of view. Um, and so that to me is really what brings about equity. So it helps form, you know, the design process or the planning process such that we're actually helping to solve the community's problem versus creating more problems for them. Now you talk about how a lot of uh, times it's, it's outreach firms that are being relied upon to get this community input. Are you, have you found that over the years that the, the frontline people, the engineers, the planners, are becoming more involved, they are communicating more directly with the public as opposed to just relying on reports and statistics that are fed to them from these outreach-type firms? I think the, the, the industry is changing in how more engineers and more planners are leading and doing engagement and understanding the community's needs and getting to know the community. However, I don't know that it's really moving the needle in a way that you can really see a difference. I think that a lot of times there's still the reliance on the engagement firm or the marketing firm, or even sometimes in our experience, you know, my firm, we are planners and engineers, and sometimes on the project, we are, you know, quote, unquote, just engagement. And even then, it, there's a disconnect in the process. And so people can, you know, put their heads down and get so focused on the design or the plan that, you know, we're, all, we're really functioning as kind of really high-priced <laughs> administrative assistants, and the processes aren't linked. Versus, as I mentioned, uh, we worked on a livability study with two other firms, and one, everyone on all of the teams, we were all involved in engagement and talking with the community and meeting with the community, and then making sure that the information we got from the community really fed what we were doing in terms of our concepts and our recommendations. Um, so I think that it's, it's slowly kind of getting there, particularly with the younger uh, planners and the younger engineers. I think the thing that's uh, interesting, I, I still think of myself as young. However, I recognize there is a generation 
um, behind me that are entering into the job market. And what's so amazing with them is they're compassionate, they're social, um, they understand the need to collaborate. And I think as more of those younger people enter the transportation industry, I think we'll really start to see the swing of more planners, more engineers engaging the community directly. Now, some of these issues that you've you've heard and you've talked about when it comes to transportation equity, for people who are listening to this, who are involved with planning and engineering, how can that be integrated into the planning, the project prioritization, the funding allocation, all the steps that are necessary to make what they're hearing a reality? Well, one, I think to make what you're hearing a reality is, you know, you have to have a really great public participation plan. And that doesn't mean have your marketing or your community engagement firm write a plan. You as the planner, as the transportation engineer, as the professional, need to sit down and map out what information you need from the community in order to develop solutions and let that guide the plan and let that guide the process. Um, my personal pet peeve is I, I hate the you know public kickoff meetings where we start off with the community with this presentation and we present the project and then we say, tell me all your problems related to transportation. So it, in most cases, you already know what their issues are. They've provided nine, you know, 311 request or, you know, whatever request, you know, whatever the city, you know, it is. You know, they have provided emails to both the transportation agency and maybe whatever their re- elected representative. So we know what their issues are. It really is about digging a little bit deeper and getting uh, a different level of information from them versus tell me your problems. It's really more about here's what we here's what you've already told us or here's what we've gathered are the issues. Is there anything that we missed? And then sitting and thinking through ways to solve some of those challenges with the community. And that doesn't mean you have them come up with solutions without any context, but there are opportunities to say here's our toolbox of solutions and, you know, let's talk about what you think might work on your block. So, for example, if speeding is an issue, it's helping people understand, you know, here are the five things that we could do on this particular block to reduce speeding and then get a sense from them of, oh, I really like this or no, don't like that at all. And so I think there just needs to be more of a conversation, you know, between the planners and the community. And and some of that comes down to, you know, you have to give the community um, a set of options to work with, but not so many that they can't really provide you advice, but, you know, really narrowing it down and, and helping you think through some of those challenges and then making sure to provide a feedback loop. I know for me, uh, in my citizen hat, I hate going to a meeting where I give public feedback. I think it's good feedback, <laughs> you know, personally, but I give good feedback, and then I go to look at the final report, and I don't see where my feedback was used or wasn't used. And so sometimes it may be, oh, this is a really great idea. It doesn't fit this context for this reason. Or this is a really good idea, but woof, that really would, like, kill the budget. And so I think that people need that feedback loop of, I gave you a suggestion. How is my suggestion being used or not used? And so I think those are just some really minor ways that don't – and also don't impact the overall project schedule, but you can really engage the community um, and also get to know the community. It's, again, it's more than just going to a public meeting, you know, on a weekday night, um, but really is about getting to know the community, spending time in the community. If you know that you're going to be working on the project, go sit in a coffee shop or the library or the rec center of that community. So 
so one, you get to see, know people, and you get to experience what it's like to be there. And I think the more you can do that, the better you can serve that community. Now, assuming that people have done the right steps, they have listened to the community, they have been out in the community at, at the places they congregate, like you mentioned, the coffee shop, the library, the metro station, etc. At the end of the day, when it comes to measuring the performance and how well transportation equity is actually being achieved, what are a few key performance measures that should be considered? I think a key performance measure at the end of the day is for the people who were engaged in your process, does it match the profile of the community? Um, one of the things that we like to do at the beginning of all of our projects is really take an understanding of who is the community. And that's looking at the age distribution. It's looking at race and ethnicity, uh, languages spoken at the home, gender, income, professions, housing types. You know, it's, it's, you don't want to just get, you know, all homeowners, but are there renters in the community? Are there people who are housing insecure? So it really is about understanding the community profile and then looking at who have you engaged. So if you – um, if your community is very diverse and the only people that are showing up to your meeting are just one type of person, then you have a problem. You really haven't been equitable in your engagement, and you really need to be proactive to go and get the, some of those other populations. You know, when we did the Vision Zero plan, a big group that we involved were, um, were teenagers. And so we used the summer youth employment um, uh, students. They, are, they were interns. Uh, ages ranging from 14 to, to probably early 20s, but engaging that population in the Vision Zero plan, where usually their voices are left out. And especially as we're doing long-term planning, that is the group that's the most impacted. Um, so it really is about making sure. I mean, to me, especially on the equity side, that is a key measure. I know people love to, like, crunch data and, and you know, come up with all these models for engagement. But at the, you know, or for equity rather, but at the end of the day, it really is as you are engaging people and as you're talking to people, does, does that reflect your community? And if not, you have some additional homework to do. You've talked, Veronica, about what your work in the District of Columbia, Vision Zero. Have you found that that is bringing awareness of transportation equity both to the community and to the government officials that are responsible for trying to achieve that? I think for some areas uh, of the country it is because when you really start to crunch the data and you're looking at crashes and you're looking at serious injuries and fatalities, usually it is impacting a certain group of people. And usually, and depending on the jurisdiction, they may cluster in an area or a neighborhood or a type of a roadway facility. So I think it helps in that aspect of really thinking beyond uh, what people feel is unsafe, but really looking at the data and letting that guide, you know, where we focus um, maybe some resources um, to do some interventions. However, I will say there is also the what is unsafe because we know there are crashes. And then there is what, un what is unsafe, and maybe there are no crashes, but there's a whole bunch of near misses happening, or even worse, there are no crashes because people are choosing not to walk or not to be in that place. And that is equally problematic. So I think even when looking at 
you know, crash data, you know, with Vision Zero, both for the Alexandria and the D.C. plan, you know, we actually did crowdsourcing um, with the public to see where did people feel like there were conditions that were unsafe. And what we found is, yes, there are areas where there are high crashes, and, yes, the community thinks that they are unsafe. But we also found a bunch of areas where there are no crashes happening, but, man, the community is like, this is unsafe. And so it allows um, people to be more proactive to say, okay, what is happening in this intersection or this stretch of road that people are just really feeling like it's unsafe? And maybe there's, again, near misses, or maybe it's just so unsafe that no one is, you know, walking or biking or, you know, whatever in, in this area. Well, we've been talking this month on ITE Talks Transportation with Veronica Davis, the co-owner, managing partner, and principal planning manager for Inspire Green. They're a planning firm that's focused on multimodal environment and the community. And we've been talking about transportation equity. Veronica, thanks so much for being part of the podcast this month. Thank you so much. And um, I really hope that your listeners are able to take away the importance of understanding community and learning how to really communicate with the community that we serve, because at the end of the day, that's why we are in this business, and that's part of our profession, to make sure that we are providing access um, and a safe and reliable transportation for communities.